And welcome to a very special episode of the Interjections Podcast. We're covering possibly a very hidden gem uh, at this point in our lives. Uh, we at the Undiscovered Decade cover films from the 1990s that maybe we missed or the society at large has kind of forgotten about. And so we uh, look month by month at a film in particular and discuss it. And uh, we've chosen one for October, 1991. And you may notice a theme, we are cool as ice. So this film came because of the record company, SBK, which is part of EMI uh, Music. They uh, saw Boys in the Hood, which we covered a few months ago, and were thinking about what artist could we possibly get to center a film around? And of all people, they chose Vanilla Ice. So very vanilla decision. Yeah, he uh, he was. Yo, he was the hottest guy of his day, man. Well, he look at that jawline. He was dating Madonna. He was. He had just come off a hit record. And he had that huge cameo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. My God, he did, didn't he? That was the height of his career. Yeah. So he's basically in like, he's in, this is his second film technically, and he only ever does like four. And they're all cameos where he is himself. So he's showing up in Adam Sandler movies later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not much plot to this. So... I just hang on, hang on. <laughs> I've got thoughts about this movie, and we'll get there once we go through the, the synopsis. But sure. I took three pages of notes on Cool as Ice, and I'm determined you? to make all of you suffer through it. What? <laughs> I mean, oh boy, that's uh, not very cool, man. You need to chill out now. <laughs> so, old man jokes. Pretty much, it's just he's kind of, you know. Was it you that was saying this? It was kind of like um, Rebel Without a Cause, where he just shows up to a town and kind of takes over the community. Oh, no, I was saying Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. That's what it was last night. I think I thought Rebel Without a Cause and never actually brought it up. I thought like it was like a a, a very happy-go-lucky Romeo and Juliet. He is kind of dirty dancing because, like, it's like happy go lucky. There's no tragedy at the end. So right. Like, he's know. he's kind of like a Patrick Swayze type, where he's too cool for everyone else, and and everyone knows it, but they don't. Rebel without a clue. Everyone else liking him. So, uh, he shows up, and there's a girl riding her horse through the field, and he scares her to death by jumping his motorbike over the fence. No ramp, by the way. He wanted to show off his biking One of the greatest shots in the movie is Vanilla Ice going down the street. You see him on his on on his own steed, (laughs) which is a bright yellow Yamaha, you know, crotch rocket motorbike. Jeff, why are you not on one on your background? Listen, there were too many good choices for backgrounds, so I'm just going to leave it up right now. Mm -hmm. But. uh, but it, it, he's looking back and forth at this girl who's on a horse that literally just like, and then he, he has the brilliant idea to jump over the fence and cut off the horse. And that's how he's going to get her attention. And then he makes her apologize to him. After she falls him. off of the horse. That he startled. He nearly, yeah. <laughs> he nearly turned her into the street. We almost had a Christopher Reeve situation on our hands. Like it was. Oh God! I all I bet we all thought it. I didn't expect <laughs> it to actually say it. 
I didn't think and, you're well, just you're just a terrible person. Yeah, we're all a little terrible. Uh, so my favorite scene is when he goes to her house unannounced when the boyfriend's there. And my sympathies, that's how misguided I know the movie is. My sympathies were totally with the boyfriend at that time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he he insults him, he he grabs her by the arm, then he steals some of her property, and he's supposed to be the protagonist. <laughs> There's a reason Michael Gross doesn't trust him, and they set it up because of what Michael Michael Gross is this girl's father that he ingratiates himself with. I wish it was Bert Gummer in this, so he could have blown him away. Exactly. Uh, it's a great connection to our first uh, film that we covered, mm-hmm. but Michael Gross is kind of hamstrung here by playing this guy who is in uh, witness protection, and he's trying to establish a new life, and his daughter doesn't know what her father's past was and so it starts to catch up to michael gross and that happens to be when vanilla ice shows up well and he, no, like, he what starts happens? talking outside to the guys that are here to get him and so michael gross assumes he's part of that yeah no no, no. like uh the, the the uh the the way this whole thing like blows up is like um vanilla ice meets this girl and like um later on he's chilling with, with his uh friends uh and then on TV, this girl shows up again. And he's like, oh, hey, it's that chick. And it turns out, like, she's getting an interview from the local news because, like, she's, like, high up on the academic, uh, scholastic, blah, 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 goody two-shoe. I got all the good grades. I'm going to go to some oh, awesome college. Yeah, and dad's there in the interview. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm proud of my daughter. But also trying to hide his head from the camera. And then we cut to the next shot of some uh, some goon in a bar going, like, hey, it's that guy. It's Jack McGee from yeah. uh, Rescue Me. Yeah, and it turns out like uh, the goons in the movie are like uh, ex-cops that were corrupt and like he, uh, the father ratted them out. Well, I so actually like, forgot. you want to, wow, you like, wow, I you wrote, checked out of this movie, man. I wrote in our guide that they were mafia. I just assumed he was the bookie. No, no wow. No, they were, they were all. So, so apparently. He was a former like, police Jeff officer. I definitely were like into the movie yeah. he was uh, a former let me ask you something why does his one friend take his bike to a guy who does like avant-garde collegiate art and okay no 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 we, we gotta we gotta back up we gotta back up we gotta back up okay so first of all how vanilla ice gets there he and his homies are riding through town on their bikes and one of them breaks down and so they have to like they basically hole up at this garage that's owned by this weird old couple that like for some reason have a pastel colored paradise for a garage like they make like Corey said and they just they make like college art everywhere perfect backdrop for music videos just enough plausibility right exactly and it's just and you know going going through the plot of this you can tell that you know where his talents lie because they can't go 10 minutes without him somehow breaking into a music video or a dance number. Yeah, no, the whole movie elongated a music video. But what about that fight scene? Oh, that choreography was... We're, we're jumping all over, but I just wanted to get make sure that everybody knew that there are these other, like, mom-and-pop type characters which are taking care of his sidekicks while, while they're... Well, well they, they also seem to be maybe borderline senile. Yeah. Yeah, because the they're trying to put... Driving it actually feels as chaotic as the movie does, so I don't mind. Yeah. One guy, one from uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, he plays one of the patients. I do feel like, though, that they were trying to go with a, a bit of a Romeo and Juliet feel oh, yeah. with 
because the the real vibe that I got from the the old couple at the garage was like the apothecary in Baz Luhrmann's version. You know what? Which, which didn't happen until six years uh, later, but. A better analogy would be Lady in the Tramp because, you know, like high class girl. Oh, yeah. Dude. Uh, yet somehow like this low class dude has a nice bike, but like, I guess he's an entertainer in this universe that he's in. So like. Is, is Lady in the Tramp essentially a Romeo and Juliet? Well, it's not a tragedy. Yeah. And like they get together in the it's end. It's not. But... I mean, ev- every romance movie is technically Romeo and Juliet. That's more of a rebel causing. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I got stricter guidelines for a Romeo and Juliet. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like, just going off of the, the side characters are the important parts, too. Because, sure. like, I, I don't know. But did you know yeah, who so one through... of uh, Vanilla's boys was? D's or D? Yeah. Malik from ER, since we were talking about Anthony Edwards last yep. month. Yep, yep. I was, I was happy to see him in anything else. He was a bit of a rapper himself. And so I I always liked him on ER. So I thought it was cool that he got something else. But well, what's a practically a supporting character in the movie? Vanilla Ice's wardrobe. Yeah. True. He's and his haircut. A dice hat. And he's got some crisscross patterns in his hair. He was a fashion plate. Yeah. His haircut is literally like his head is full of bricks. Like literally, you look at the back of his head. That's his haircut. That's his haircut. But that, like, I, I don't know, man. I I do agree with the rebel without a cause thing. Like, I got rebel without a clue over here with the. Uh, it's it's just a more fluorescent. James Dean. Um, you gotta talk about that fight scene. The final one. Which which one? But it's it, outside the bar where he's doing choreography where a guy literally flips himself in order to yeah. make it look like he flipped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make it look like he actually flipped the guy. All right, so let's talk about it. Oh, it's no. better yet. Let's talk about the kidnapping. There's oh, kidnapping. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing. Right, because there's because really? he's in. Oh, the kid. Right. Right. Oh my because, god. Because there's because the 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 family is in witness protection. Um, you know the dad is super against her talking to anyone let alone this weirdo who rides up on his bike um because when he's looking out the window uh it happens to be at the same time that like these two goons who have been following him for 20 years are also like right next to him so he thinks that you know ice is involved yeah it was a simple situation where he was just asking for directions to get to a place to meet a girl and he then, was you a, know, good, a good guy in a bad situation, you know, and it's just, I don't it, know it that he's a good guy. No, he's a stoner person. Well, he's at least, he, 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 well, and well. This is yeah. about as good as you get for like, you know, early 1990s vanilla ice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the <laughs> but, problem. Right. Um, I mean, he's, he's no Lady Gaga in, you know, star is born, but let's a black hole is born more like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jimmy, why don't, why don't you talk about the kidnapping and that masterful oh. scene? Oh, yeah, no, uh, 
The kid gets kidnapped. Oh my god! Her, well, okay. the kid brother. You just all right. The girl. The girl he's into. The girl he's into has a younger brother. Like, hey, kid, we're kidnapping you, and they take the kid away. But the girl he's into has a younger brother, who really, really likes Vanilla Ice and like wants him to be. His, well, he doesn't his... really like Vanilla Ice. He just likes that he has a bike and he wants to ride his bike. It's he's just, just like, a... wow, this cool guy that is yeah. liking my sister. Like, He's not a square like her friend from high school I've known our whole lives. Right. A, and so, a, like... I think it's just a, it's like, uh, there's an underlying story about a, you know... A father figure that he doesn't have? Or an older yeah. brother or, no, like, there is, you know... They, or, they or, have... or, or, the kid, or the kid, you know, is, you know, has a little bit of a crush and, like... He uses the metaphor of riding the bike as you know, all right, riding all right, the bike. All right. But they do, but when, when they have not wrong. When when Ice and and Kath, Kathleen Catherine whatever her name is have, have a uh, cat. They they have their little date at the construction site where they're like talking and dancing and it's like a dream sequence. And he confesses to he, he literally asks her, "So what's it like?" having parents and shit we're like wait a minute is that like oh yeah is yeah, that yeah. A, a b plot that we're supposed you, you, to be you think like he has enough friends that that they would they, they would let him know it's like oh yeah no it's pretty dope and then he's like or does he just hang around with only orphans all the time yeah, like, never know his or like or anybody that he's bumped into into his travels like you like you had to have known what parents are like based on like some conversation right like he just doesn't understand the concept of parents um, you think Vanilla Ice is autistic? No, he just did a lot of drugs, man. It was the 90s. I mean, in the movie, do you think his character would be considered autistic? No, I think his character was Vanilla Ice. I mean, maybe <laughs> Vanilla Ice is autistic. It's possible. He's on the spectrum. He doesn't understand families. God. Um, but speaking of families, he's got a younger brother. She's got a younger brother that uh you know ice is trying to get trying to get closer to the family so he's like all right what's up slick like he calls the brother slick and he's like hey just why don't we go for a ride on the bike or it's more like relent relenting too but uh eventually he takes the kid for a bike ride and then the girl's ex-boyfriend who ice beat up earlier in the movie sees them driving by i was like well that's weird What's going on? And then on? he tells the cops, and the cops and then it, he kidnaps the kid. He tells the cops after Ice returns the kid home safely, and is like, "All right, man, see you later." And then five minutes later, his, uh, you know, the the dirty cop goons kidnap the kid, and so of course Michael Gross thinks that it's, you know, it was all Vanilla Ice is doing. Johnny, I'm sorry, we should be calling him by his character name, Johnny. <laughs> Wait, the little brother had an name. I have to respect the artist here. Oh, Vanilla. Yeah, his... Johnny Guitar. Wow. I didn't didn't remember him having a name. Do you know his real name? Like Vanilla Ice's real name? It's like Robert something something. Was it Robert Paulson? It's Rob Van Winkle. His name is Robert Paulson? No. It's an F. What? It's an F. What's an F? Hang on. Hang on. No, 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 no. One, one last thing. What? I know what you're doing. One last thing. We got to talk about how, no, I, this is the last thing. I swear to God. At least a D plus. I'd give it like a D minus. D plus. C plus. You know why? On this podcast. The first music video was fun, but then I kind of fell asleep. What? 
Wait, the whole movie was a music video. You're forgetting the best part of the movie. Just, just like in Harley Davidson, they had a cameo from someone dancing. And it was, who was it? Vanessa Williams? Naomi Campbell. Naomi Campbell. Vanessa Williams is the Harley Davidson cameo. Uh, Naomi Campbell. And she dances in the music video and then never seen again. This is one of those rare cases. to their gods. Waste of time. This is one of those rare cases where the film is saved by its cinematography. Oh, yeah. Because it is a beautifully shot movie. And you know why? Do you know know who who the cinematographer was? Janusz Kaminski, Kaminski, who went on to be Spielberg's DP. This dude, the dude who shot Cool as Ice, went on to shoot Schindler's List and War Horse. Okay, I'll put it this way. I'll I'll give it a D minus as a movie overall. But if you really enjoy cinematography, then a C minus. This is something or to D plus, enjoy D plus, C minus, altered yeah. reality. <laughs> so it's not as bad as I expected. It's not even close to a good movie, <laughs> but it was pretty. Yeah. And the thing is, the director's a music video director. So it's like he should have just been directing like a long form thing for Vanilla Ice. Do what they did with Michael Jackson. That fifth lens during the chase scene was nauseating yeah i mean he's cutting his teeth here there's a feature-length mtv video hey and yannis kaminsky i'll write him off like a kiva goldsman kiva goldsman wrote batman and robin they won an oscar for a beautiful mind doesn't matter it's the same guy yeah everybody's gotta start somewhere all right (laughs) but anyway that's all i wanted to say c plus c plus for cool plus Let's talk about something that's truly Halloween themed that came out this month. Ernest Scared Stupid. There's a better movie. We should have just talked about that. No. How could we forget about Ernest P. Worrell? It's less horrifying than Vanilla Ice's wardrobe. It's true. I mean, it is pretty ghoulish, though. There you go. (laughs) Imagine I'm in a pumpkin. See, this is actually a special episode because we're doing a double feature. We're actually covering Ernest Scared Stupid because we thought Cool as Ice would be complete garbage. But there wasn't really anything else. Boy, were we wrong. Three of us were surprised. Corey knew better. But I also had never seen Ernest Scared Stupid, so I wanted to see this. Yeah, and talk about it. And, he he and, had a deprived childhood, which explains why he's such a. I don't know what you are now. Such a what? Because you missed out on Ernest. Like it's like you're missing something in your I'm soul. Sorry. It's like you got a devil whoa, right whoa, there whoa, in whoa, you. Whoa, 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 whoa! You'd never seen. An this Ernest. is my first Ernest movie. Oh my uh, god! This this also wasn't uh, a chance for all of you to tell me about all the Ernest movies. Well, oh, we were supposed were to tell you. Yeah, we're going to do like our little Ernest retrospective now. Well, we're going oh, okay. to talk about that. Ernest Scared Stupid, we got to talk about the origins of Ernest. So he's a creation by uh, Jim Varney. He uh, appeared in a lot of commercials, mostly local commercials. I think they shot over 3,000 local commercials. He's, uh, he's from Nashville. In all the commercials, it's usually for local businesses, like grocery stores, uh, gas stations, stuff like that. And he's talking to his... Uh, non-existent neighbor that you'd never see called Vern, basically annoying him. 
and he's talking straight into the lens as if you're Vern trying to sell you on something. He's affable. He's accident prone. He's stupid. But there's something genuinely uh, amiable about it. He's relatable. And so I guess those took off and become like became nationwide sensations. So eventually, Touchstone, which was owned by Disney, bought the rights to Ernest and started putting them in movies. First movie was Goes to Camp. Second movie was Saves Christmas. Third was Goes to Jail. And this is the fourth one. And after that, they did uh, Ernest Rides Again, which was the last theatrical one. Yeah. And then after that, they started going direct to video at that point. Well, they did. What was it? Ernest Goes to Africa? I didn't see that one. The last one I watched was Slam Dunk Ernest, where he gets... It's like Mike, actually. Or like Airbud. Both better movies. Which was out around the same time. Uh, so I, if I remember correctly, I, I read that they were... It was such a hit, the first one, Goes to Camp. They had signed up for two movies, but they extended it to four or five. And then when this one in particular didn't do as well as the other three, unfortunately... Uh, they kind of just canned it after the fifth, which did even worse. And so that's why it went straight to DVD. He kind of like peaked right around here, maybe the one before where he goes to jail. Right. So I think it's not so much he peaked, but more more the uh, writers who... Uh, the interest in it yeah. too. True. You know, it's like, it's a little gimmicky. So if you've seen one, you've seen them all in a way I'm getting. Is that correct? Mm, more or less. I mean, there's very unique jokes was- in each. Imagine if Bill Nye was dumb, like Bill Nye's character on his kids' science show was dumb and got involved in like hijinks. Like that's kind of that level of it's it's slapstick to a point. There was a Saturday morning science show that wasn't Bill Nye, but there was Beekman's Nye, World. Beekman's World, and he had Beekman. a rat. Yeah, <laughs> rat, yeah. I like Beekman's better because it reminded me of stuff like Ernest. So I got yeah. my. Ernest bug or itch scratched by Beekman's world. I love that show. So, yeah, no, I mean, I remember loving the Ernest movies as a kid and, and just like, that was, that was the one that like the tape we wore out of my aunt's house when like, she didn't want to deal with us anymore. Like that was. (laughs) Which one? This movie? Uh, Actually, Ernest goes to prison (laughs) or goes to jail. That was the. That's my favorite one. Yeah. But the, um. I mean, this one specifically, I don't know if we want to get into like the synopsis of, of Scared Stupid. Sure. <clears throat> Am I going to? All right, fine. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, lovable old Ernest apparently is the descendant of um, a, some member of the community who 120 years ago, there was a troll that was terrorizing uh, the town of Briarville, Missouri, where they all live. And Ernest's great-great-grandfather, who was like, I guess the pastor of the town or something, yeah, banished this like troll to live under a tree on this old abandoned land. And, you know, so it opens with this, like, ancient thing where, of course, Jim Varney's playing his great-great-grandfather. Nice touch. Um, and so for a second, I'm like, is he the bad guy in this? Wait a minute. Um but then, you know, fast forward to today. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Because when once he locked the troll up, um, 
the troll put a curse on him that each and every one of his descendants would get dumber and dumber and dumber. And then also cut to a cut to a shot of Ernest <laughs> in present day, present day being 1991. Yeah. Um, and where he's working as a sanitation worker for the township. And but he's still like he's got the heart of a child and he's got which they which comes back around later on. He's got his, his dog named Rimshot. He's basically Barney Fife, right? That's what I'm getting. A little bit. A little bit of Barney Fife. A little bit of... He's a jack of all trades, but he's mostly an inventor. Yeah, yeah I like that. Does. It reminded me he's, of he's, Haywire. If Rube Goldberg himself became a cartoon character. Yeah. And he's trying to make like all these wacky things that the township is just like, can you just do your job and like quit messing around? Yeah. And of course, you know, he identifies more with like the imagination of the, the kids in town. And so they help him, they ask him to help them build a tree house. Um, partly to escape the bullies and partly just to something to do. So we're going hang, to hang out. Yeah, because bullies can't climb trees. Exactly. Well, they can't. It's been proven. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been proven. Out. If you're a bully, you can't, you can't climb a tree. It's covered in honey. The okay. only way to. The only way to climb a tree is to repent. No, no, no. bears like um, them. They'll crawl up. So, <laughs> bears, bullies, same thing. No, 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 um, no, no. I was explaining the difference. Bears like honey, so they'll climb up a tree. But if you put honey on a tree, bullies can't climb up. It's true. Gotcha. Too sticky. Yeah, too That's sticky. True. That's true. Like, you know, they don't have claws. The next thing they got dirt and grime in the honey hands, and bugs and bees come along, and then the bears show up and they want to eat the bullies. That's yeah, why you yeah. the tree and uh, honey. But, I adore that so, horn house they're making though. So there's a little fun. They go to, they go to like the um uh of course the weird abandoned part of town because that's where all the best trees are. Um and it's on a band, abandoned land that happens to be owned by um this Earth old witch slash inventor played by Eartha Kitt of all people of all people to appear in an earnest movie. I mean Here's here's an interesting fact that I'll relate this to you. H halfway through, I'm like, she looks like Yzma from Emperor's New Groove, which is what she will end up doing about nine, yeah. years, ten years later. The casting director of Ernest Scared Stupid and all the other Ernest movies cast her in this, and when he was on Emperor's New Groove, remembered her. Yeah. was like, you'd be perfect for this. Your just use your voice from Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah. For a hot so, second, though, I thought it was Alex Borstein. Really? Yeah. Interesting. But like the first time you see her, I'm like, is that Alex Borstein? Uh, oh, no, 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 that's Eartha Kid. You know, I, I remember from when I was a kid, it's like, the best cat was Yzma, right? Right, Yzma, Yzma, yeah, Yzma. Because, like, I, I'm, I suck with the actors' names sometimes, but Eartha Kid's huge, yeah, so yeah. But I have a story about her actually, if you want to hear, sure. Um, going through the stuff to like remember what their other performances were, and she's had a long line of stage credits and, and films and TV before this. So she's one of the longest lived people up to this point for our podcast. Uh, I noticed that she apparently was invited to a dinner with uh, Lyndon B. Johnson and, and Lady Bird. And Lady Bird asked her a question about like, how do you feel about Vietnam? Because that was happening at the time. I don't know why she's asking an actor this, but Eartha quit Eartha Kit quit that conversation and was like, I don't like that you're sending all the black boys over there just to die. So we're losing all our people. 
and made Lady Bird cry at her dinner and she was banned and apparently the FBI had like a, a flame war against her that was gonna uh, discredit her and, and called her like she was a whore and all sorts of things what? to like kill her career. Because she spoke her mind? Right. Thanks so LPJ. This is actually a little bit of a personal story to my mom. She went to see the Tony Awards in rehearsal back in 2000. No, 2000 it was. And that year she was up for a Tony for the Wild Party, which also starred Manny Patankin. Now I remember as a kid hearing how much of a diva Eartha Kitt was. And this is from mom's story seeing the rehearsal. They had to perform a number from the Wild Party and Mandy Patankin kept stopping it because he was such a diva. He needed it perfect. And Eartha just looks at him and he's like, honey, if it ain't right during this, it's not going to get better then. And they just did it and it was fine and they were fine during the actual show. But she was actually not like what her normal perception was. Everyone thought she was like too much, but she spoke her mind. That's all it was. So, and I, I just thought it was cool that mom got to see her perform technically. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's cool. kind of like, you don't see the rehearsals. So yeah, no, that's cool. So anyway, no, I mean, that, no, that's fascinating. I actually didn't know too much about her before this. Um, I really just knew her as Catwoman. That's all. Yeah. And then Yzma came up well after this movie. So right. that's pretty much what people our age would know her for. Right. And they might not even know Calvin. Unless like but, voted nerds. Yeah. And that's in the uh, 60s Batman show with Adam Wester. Yeah. For those that don't actually know. Which I forgot about that as well. Yeah. But um, so anyway. Sorry, so I really Build the treehouse. <laughs> I mean, build the treehouse on Eartha Kitt's front lawn. For sure. And she doesn't really care so much about that, but she does care about the fact that that tree is fucking haunted because that's where they put, that's where he locked up the uh, the troll all those decades, centuries ago. Yeah. Um, I like how the troll has two noses. That was cool. Because yes. that the troll was great. Yeah. Once yeah, it the, comes out of su- super disgusting, which works yeah. for the movie. Which the trolls actually were designed by, it was the same company that did uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So if you look at the end, if you look at the end, there are a lot of trolls that look strangely familiar if you've seen Killer Clouds from Outer Space. Interesting. And they made them all like soupy and slimy. And um, but like as as once the troll escapes because Ernest accidentally says like a secret spell and puts his hand on the tree and you know, because his of course, the curse was on his family. Yeah. He sets off this chain of events. The, the troll gets loose and starts turning children into wooden dolls. And it's really, it, it does get a little creepy at one point. Um, yeah. But, but, and then he turns Rimshot into a dog or into, into a wooden thing. What? What age were you when you saw this? Um, I had to have been like under 10. So it was probably like eight or nine, maybe. But, I may have seen this in the theater. Oh yeah. I mean, I was three when it came out, so I probably didn't see it in the theater. But <laughs> no, I probably didn't see it till I was like seven or eight, maybe Still, nine. The latest. Those are the perfect ages to see this because it's yeah. genuinely creepy when the first kid gets uh, woodenized. 
in and the troll. He gets he gets he gets a woody. Yeah, I was trying not to do that, uh, <laughs> but when when the troll gets him and slides him into his uh, base, I was like, that is genuinely creepy. Because also that kid mm. looked like I did when I was five, so I could see myself yeah. in that trap. Yeah, yeah, no, you had the you, big you're, glasses. You're, you're, and the five, five, five year old you would have been definitely a great yeah. tar- target for a troll. Yeah, you would have been trolled so hard. Trolled so hard into wood. Okay. And put on a shelf. But yeah, so that's how the troll gets loose. He goes around and is like killing kids or capturing them in, in wood nymph form. Um, and, and then they, they realize that <laughs> to get in the boys' hole. <laughs> well, I mean, they do realize, like, they don't realize the the solution to killing the trolls until Ernest finds two pages in the spell book that were stuck together. I'm like, really? Yeah. No, it's um, funny because throughout the whole movie, they kind of allude to uh, milk or dairy in general being a weakness for the troll. Yeah. Like they slow, like it's very subtle at first, but then they sort of start like start to really hit the hammer on the nails. Like it's milk, it's milk. Like you need milk to beat this guy. And I thought they were going to turn the whole thing yeah. into a, in, into a, like a PSA for like kids. This is why you drink milk because it keeps the trolls away. Yeah, like they didn't go that route. Strangely yeah. enough, because like the troll That's later on the movie just like you know leveled up and went like super saiyan troll and like used some magic so that way he was invulnerable. Like not even milk could harm him anymore. So like there was like uh, back to what Jeff was saying about like how to beat the troll. There was like some. Uh, uh, passage is like the one way to beat it was like what, the uh, the the heart of a child, right? And the lo- love kind of a mother or something like yeah. that. Oh, right. Yeah, so some some weird like that. So like the love of the mother, the, uh, like I guess that was supposed to be milk was the weakness for the thing, and then the, the heart of the child is like you got to show it love too, like return the love and just like like just yeah. But the whole time they're love they're, they're taking it literally, man. so they're like, oh my god, do we have to get a child's heart? And get like, are we gonna have to sacrifice a child for this? Yeah, this temple of doom. Yeah, yeah right. right. I was just thinking that. But then they realize, and of course, Ernest, being the lovable oaf that he is, is like, come here, big guy. And then he's like dancing with the troll, and that's what kills the troll at the end. And then the spell is lifted, the dog turns back into a real dog, and I fucking cried. Let's talk well, about something. Eartha Kit welcomes back the children that were turned years ago. Yeah, supposed to be her friends because this is ninety one. Not I. I think so because that was supposed to be because she called them sister and brother. I think it might have been family, or was it just colloquial? Or I'm willing to bet, like she was probably an orphan, and those are her fellow orphans, and they were easy targets for a troll to take. She was in a cult. Some children in that original scene where Varney is playing his ancestor. But I had gotten the sense that it was like Salem witch time, not like 1890. So, well, I mean, Missouri wasn't around in Salem witch time. Mm. So when they say Missouri, it has to to be somewhere like right before the Civil War. Yeah. Or, and like given the the flashback looked like it was in the 1800s. So, like, either it says late or right after the Civil War. Late 19th century. I'm assuming it's after the Civil War. Well, like a hundred yeah. years ago, yeah. okay, but she's not a hundred. That's what I'm getting at. Well, that's I mean, the thing because I I got the fact that she was like a mystic, 
of sorts and so not maybe just she's like a little older so yeah. maybe, maybe maybe she's 100 because like maybe 1891 yeah yeah that's fine yeah i just wanted to see if i my guess was right because when that scene happened i'm like wait a second when did that first scene happen so it says the wikipedia page is late 19th century that's fine by me as long as you guys agree with me that i'm not like that's a little off <laughs> yeah I think they were just friends or, you know, cult family or something. I don't know. But belong to a church. Yeah. The, the, the church of Varney. Phineas P. Worrell, uh, you know, was a, a, a very, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Persuasive man. Fire and brimstone, all of that. Um, a little bit of a Pied Piper, if you will. That's getting sure. children to follow him. Sure, we'll go with that. But, Throughout uh, the movie, um, Jim Varney gets to indulge in some impressions too, like Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Like he does a lot of riffs. For some reason, Ernest is really preoccupied with the Ottoman Empire in this movie. Yeah. No, yeah. I forgot that whole through line. Yeah. yeah. He keeps bringing it up. It's a little odd. He just read about it in his local library. The week I before. mean, maybe maybe because like saying it in that like accent that he does, like Ottoman. The Ottomans, like, the Ottoman. like maybe just to him because he's a comedic actor and a comedian and blah blah blah. Like it sounds funny and like he could do weird stuff with his face by yeah. saying Ottoman. He was the original before Jim Carrey. He was the original rubber-faced comedian. Yeah. I like his facial tics better than Carrey actually. Yeah, Carrey, I like Jim Carrey. Well, well, I mean, Carrey's is deliberately more exaggerated. Like <laughs> his is like his his is just like you know funny and goofy and like you know a, a more naturalistic way yeah i felt like i could get along with him yeah. i'd go out for a beer with him and he'd be a funny guy to hang out with jim carrey seems a little much <laughs> yeah jim carrey might like just go on rants and yeah. then you're just like okay buddy yeah who knows we, we, have... we can't we can't compare the two because one's already passed away we have happy memories oh. of Ernest because he did this when we were kids and then he was also the voice of Slinky Dog mm-hmm. for the first two Sadly, that's, movies. that's technically my introduction to him and then I, I, I knew of Ernest but I didn't really see any of it oh so. yeah that's that's weird because like most most kids in that era like growing up with Ernest then they watch Toy Story and they hear Slinky Dog it's like ah Ernest yeah. I knew who he was when he popped up as Slinky but it was I remember when he passed away I was like, oh, now I'm sad there won't be more Ernest or anything else that isn't Ernest. I was curious if you'd have like a second act. When Ernest got too old for him to do, would he take more serious roles like Jim Carrey did? Would he make a new character to play off of? Like Robin Williams did several different things. But obviously we never got a chance to. And I'm glad for what we have because now I actually can, even as an adult, go through all the Ernest stuff and see what he was like. So yeah. Did he ever have like more like serious roles or were, were all those things like comedic? He um he was in a Jeff Speakman movie where he had a cameo as an arms dealer. I watched a little bit of it. He's actually really good in the movie. He's in a, he's in a Billy Bob Thornton movie called uh, Daddy and Them. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a more serious role for him. And it's... again, he, he puts himself quite well. He's actually a, a Shakespearean trained actor. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense because, like, when he goes into the Roman, uh, Roman character, or it's basically Mark Anthony. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, 
about like this one and like the whole Ernest franchise about how like consistent the character is. And I think a lot of that has to do with not only the fact that Jim Varney created the character, but John Cherry was also one of the co-creators of it. John, who, he directed this movie and he directed a bunch of the other Ernest movies. And he was the one that was running the advertising agency in Nashville that like co-created this character. So like if anyone's going to be able to bring a, a basically a commercial mascot, like imagine making a, a franchise like a, a, the Marvel exactly. Cinematic Universe exactly. with the Noid, you know, it's like <laughs> it's it's I don't know. I just thought that, that was interesting. It was the same guy. Yeah, I mean, they tried it with the caveman from Geico. That did not work. It didn't work out. I actually know the people that worked on that pilot. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I will not name names, but I went to school. I went to the same school as them. Really? <laughs> so, they're Wait, good guys, though. So listen, for, listen, it's a paying gig, all right? You as as a first time earnest viewer, what'd you think of what'd you get out of your first earnest movie? Well, it was certainly uh geared towards kids, obviously. Um, so I I didn't think about that. I thought he would just be a little zany and not like focus on being with actual children. I yeah. thought it was more of like, you know how blues clues. He still feels friendly to adults, but he's definitely aiming towards children. Right. I didn't I didn't think it would be like that. I thought it would be more like, I don't know, like a Ronald McDonald, like a clown that's just funny to everybody. Mm, and so I, I didn't expect the like lower level, lower grade jokes. I didn't mind them. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with just being like focused on children comedy because he's charming and I would have loved this as a kid. So I always knew I would like Jim Varney himself. The movie's fine. There's nothing like crazy surprising about the plot itself. And I also didn't know Eartha Kitt was in this. So that was a fun surprise. Uh, the troll was neat. And I actually thought this might be a little scary and it never really was. But I, mean, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it might be a little creepy. Like something a little more, a little different than what like Ghost to Camp might have been. So, oh, by the way, uh, one one of the characters in the movie is a sheriff who is the father of one of the kids. That it's like you know part of the the, the core of heroes yeah. that fight along with Ernest. Uh, Worst, worst sheriff ever. Like he's the the most incompetent. Well, like, that has to like you know when when like kids like there was kids that were going missing and he's like oh no they're they're out somewhere they'll come back. I was like this is nineteen ninety two one one two three. We're in nineteen ninety one right. This is this is the early nineties. Like a, after like how many years of cops being on the air? What did we said it premiered in the first month of our uh, podcast. It's a year and ten months right now. Yeah, so like cops being a, a national hit and like this guy's just the like oh. mm, just worst law enforcement ever like losing kids left and right and like you know it's bumpkinville they don't care there's one sheriff in town nothing's going on it's not even a one horse town they don't expect they didn't even have a horse the ground. i don't know i liked it though that's my point yeah <laughs> yeah um i would probably give it like a b plus because I, I was expecting to be like thrilled with this, but 
I don't know why. I just I've always liked Jim Varney's comedy, and I can't even think if I've ever actually seen a stand-up special of his or anything. But I must have seen like commercials, or was just like this guy seems neat, and I just always wanted to see these, and I just never got around to it. So I'm happy mm. with what I expected. Sounds like this requires a little more research. Gotta expand your your knowledge. You know, we're going to get on that other retrospective of the, talk about the, the other ECU, three movies. the yeah. earnest cinematic universe yeah, we'll have a uh, we'll have a special episode where we review the other three main ones maybe for april fools yeah why not hmm. if anybody actually like remembers yeah we'll see see if we'll do some special episodes so anyway uh, yeah what are what's everyone else's grades uh, I, I give it a you know Yeah, solid A minus. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a B minus just because among the in comparison to the other Ernest films, this one. I don't know. So I only have up to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, this one's the one that I've seen the most because it was on like Halloween like all the time. Sure. Like, Halloween's a good month. It's not October. It's just all Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see. It Kid was a good movie. Kid Me would have given this a B. Adolmi's going for a C. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't age well, and I can tell. No, it doesn't. But like for me, like it's just 90% nostalgia. So like I yeah. honestly yeah. think I'm giving it a B plus because it's I'm thinking in my child's mind what I would have liked about it because to be honest i wouldn't have gone out of my way if i wasn't looking forward to this wanting jim varney to be good so i get i get that everything rounds out to an e for Ernest. oh oh the importance of being earnest god i wish i i really you know we talk a lot about celebrity deaths within our, our adult years but i i do genuinely miss jim varney I and, I, and I like to think he wouldn't have gone off the deep end had he lived into this part of the century. Yeah. I kind of wish he had done an importance of being earnest or something, like with the earnest character. I, I feel like they probably had that in mind. Like that would have been his send off, but then like his health was declining too quickly. So they do. Yeah. They, they had like two other projects in mind. Yeah. Apparently he got sick and died a few weeks later. So yeah, it was like really quick. quick. Yeah. Lung cancer. Yeah. It's a shame. Anyway. Sorry for that downer. Or went out for Jim Varney. Speaking of Shakespeare, (laughs) um, Gus Van Sant did a loose adaptation of Henry the Fourth this month, which was called My Own Private Idaho. That's what that's about? Yes. Really? But they're uh, it's modern, Who's... so they're they're male gigolos. Hmm. Huh. It's actually, I just watched it for the podcast. It's pretty good. It's actually a little more darkly comedic than you would think, but it's very quirky and bohemian. Tristan, I think, in particular, would like it. Um, for some reason, I thought it was going to be more staid. Don't know why. As but... a elephant, probably. It has a, it has that drugstore cowboy kind of feel to it, so maybe that's why I liked it. Mm. Also, 
one of the actors that we featured last month, River Phoenix. Yeah. It is what pushed Keanu further, right? Because he had Point Break, but then he did this, and it seemed um, like he... This was between Excellent Adventure and actually after Bogus Journey. So it's yeah. after the two Bill and Ted movies, but this showed that he could actually do drama, right? Yeah. Because after this, he would do Much Ado About Nothing was shortly after this. So actually, that's two Shakespearean uh, plays that he was basically in. Yeah. Um, Cannon collaborated with Chuck Norris again for a movie called The Hitman. It's it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wearing like a a Martin Riggs type mullet throughout the whole movie. The uh, the plot to get from A to B takes too many C side ways. It's just the logic is choppy the whole movie. But I will say the villain played by Michael Parks very good, even if it amounts only to. A- Hmm. Um, Jodie Foster did had her directorial debut with Little Man Tate. Oh, a slice of life movie about a child psychologist. Uh, it was good at the time. I haven't revisited it anytime soon, so I can't say whether it holds up or not. Um, the underrated gem for the month for me, Other People's Money, which I just saw not too long ago and reviewed for Interjections. Uh, WordPress, if anybody wants to see my review on there. I'll put the link in the uh, article, but I don't remember this. I, I kind of remember you uh, covering it, but... Yeah. Um, it's uh, based on a play Norman Jewison directed. Dan DeVito plays Larry the Liquidator who goes into businesses that are on their last legs and scoops them up and turns them over for a profit, usually just kind of liquidates all their assets. Gotcha. So, to make him solvent, and uh, he starts to have a romance with uh, Penelope Ann Miller. And you know what? The they actually have really good chemistry. They create some sparks, mm. and the dialogue is sparkling. It's great. Um, they fast tracked the sequel to House Party. House Party Two came out. The Pajama Jam. Yeah, a very preachy sequel to the first one. Oddly enough. And it's also missing one of the main ingredients from the first movie, which was Robin Harris. What's the uh, preachiness of it? Um, it's basically about kid trying to uh, maintain his scholarship for college. So it's talking about how important education is and also how important it is to uh, be representative of the black race while you're trying to get an education. That's interesting that it comes out right on the heels of boys in the hood you don't think they could have seen it before making it right the turnaround right. time probably they were making them around the same time yeah so that's it's kind of like a singleton kind of movie weirdly enough yeah that's interesting um curly sue came out this month which was a charming little movie with uh john belushi playing like a this homeless man with his daughter and they get uh, he starts to romance Kelly Preston and he gets uh, kind of ravished in this life of luxury. Um, Two Evil Eyes, which is a collaboration between Dario Argento and George A. Romero. Oh. They take uh, two Edgar Allan Poe stories, The Black Cat, and I forget what the other one is, and they uh, modernize them. Neither one's very good. The George A. Romero one's slightly better, but probably because of the Tom Savini effects. 
but you can tell this is where the Argento factor just started. His inspiration started to go down. That's too bad. Uh, Ricochet came out this month, which is mm-hmm. very sleazy but fun uh, action thriller with John Lithgow as a villain, Denzel Washington as the police officer who puts him away, and then after he gets out of after he escapes from prison, he tries to ruin Denzel Washington's life, and he's increasingly disreputable ways is he a serial killer to start or is he he's like a bank robber murderer okay i think i've seen a scene from this where he's on trial does he go on trial in this maybe briefly yeah he's just kind of psychotic yeah Mm. yeah i've I've heard he had a run as a villain in a couple of movies and he's very good in all of them yeah this cliffhanger yeah Weird to see him as the father in Harry and the Hendersons and uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. Also a, a serial killer in uh, Dexter. Well, sure, yeah, years absolutely. later. Yeah. That's why I thought when he comes on Dexter, I'm like, wow, this is a, a turn for him. Apparently not. No, no. Yeah, no, everybody just got used to him being a funny, uh, happy-go-lucky guy thanks to Third Rock. Yeah. From the right. Sun. That was the turn. Yeah. That was the turn. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the opposite of what he normally does. Dick Song. Um, large amounts of pep (laughs) gotta have pep pep. oh god uh, single-handedly pretty much plunged john travolta's career into the depths shout came out this month which nobody knows about right nobody's ever heard of it this is the movie that before pulp fiction happened this is the movie that stopped his career dead in its tracks it bombed Hmm. It's a musical drama where he's a few. It's so implausible. He plays a fugitive who comes to this Texas town, this detention center, and teaches the kids music. At one point, he's teaching the piano player how to keep how to keep rhythm by clucking like a chicken. It's embarrassing. The movie's embarrassing. Not gonna lie, I I cut from oh, that alone. That that sounds a little relatable to a small degree. What? Oh yeah, no. Uh, I had a substitute teacher when I was living in Tennessee. Uh, he was covering one of our uh, my uh, one of my uh, middle school elective classes. It was like an engineering class. Teacher was out, whatever. He came in and like uh, apparently he told us his his backstory. Him and his brother were like both uh, meth heads back in Arizona. Uh, they got they got they got busted. And I'm assuming that like they did a bunch of other criminal things. He didn't really get into it. But he was just like, I had a bad past, man. And like, uh, I think his brother was still in jail, but he found Jesus. So he brought his guitar to class that day and sang about salvation and finding inner peace and Jesus. Hallelujah. And then one of the girls that sit next to me in class did one of these. <laughs> Who was this? My substitute teacher in Tennessee. But like, how does this relate to the story? I'm just trying to figure. Oh, oh, because because like, uh, what? what, what, John Travolta brought music to inmates in Texas. Oh, uh, oh, I I heard. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that like John Travolta's brother was your substitute. Like you know, like it's just like that's that's a little bit relatable to me because I was just like. Oh man. Like, the reason I thought it was weird was because he said he gets a girl to cluck like a chicken 
and you're like, oh, that reminds me. No, <laughs> well, no I thought it was going to be like whole, your substitute teacher show. was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Criminal guy, was, former criminal guy teaching people. Yeah. Like, but like, I thought it was like my, your substitute my, my teacher was going to turn out to be John Travolta's brother or something. You know, that's what I thought. Maybe this is what it was based on. Yeah. Maybe these two guys are the guy John Travolta studied. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. No, no, no. This couldn't have been because, like, one of that that movie. This movie came out in what 90, 91. 91. So, so the uh, substitute teacher that I had was probably like in his mid to late twenties or maybe early thirties when I was in middle school. So it was like ninety nine, two thousand. Mm. Guess not. Guess not. He, he would have had to have been a kid for John Travolta to portray. Him. Maybe he's one of the kids that learned from John Travolta. Well, this Jesus. It was a meth head at 10. <laughs> I mean, here's a movie that Tristan can cre- relate to because he was a slumlord. The Super with Joe Pesci. Yeah. It's a, actually, I think it's a rather amusing little farce. I haven't seen it in a while, but I do like, maybe it's the Joe Pesci factor puts it over the top for me, but I like Joe Pesci in most everything. Um, I was curious about it, so I, I may check it out eventually. Yeah, don't forget. Uh, Homicide came out, which is a David Mamet movie with uh, Joe Montana and William H Macy. Joe Montana plays this Jewish cop who uh, is hiding his heritage until he can't anymore because of a murder case. It's a uh, pretty didactic. It's not. It's not my favorite Mamet. Mm. And. Uh, the Taking of Beverly Hills, which is basically Die Hard with Ken Wall playing a quarterback while these, these terrorists come into Beverly Hills and say there's a, a toxic spill so that they can go and loot people's homes. It's, it's, it's so lackluster, it's not even worth talking about. Um, but then we get the poster boy in which Jeff will shine. Now... You may know this film, so this may quickly be a dud. We're already getting into the territory where you may know stuff, so bear with us. This is about the time when my hard memories start forming. Right, so I don't mind if you know this, so if you recognize this immediately, don't worry. Listen, I'm still going to, that already happened with one thing, but I'm just going to, we're going to play along for the rest (laughs) of the, okay. Do you know this one? I, I, I don't know. Let's let's talk it through. We'll find out. Oh, maybe he doesn't. Oh, okay. I mean, you did it a pretty seems, good job of blurring things out. So maybe like it uh, seems yeah. familiar, but we'll, one of my we'll favorite trailers it. as a kid. One of the best lines right. in movie history is in this. <clears throat> is it really? I've never actually seen it. All right. Oh, <laughs> Why don't you uh, describe for the people that are listening? Hold up a second. Let me. Nope, nope. Sorry, I'm trying to adjust this because I sank the window a little bit. Fit to window. There we go. Were you not looking at us when we talked to you? No, I was, but I I normally when you share the screen, it takes up my entire monitor, but I oh interesting. Brought it down a little bit. Okay. So it's a white background with a family looking at uh this barbarian looking dude holding up 
a kid on a skateboard with one finger above his head. Uh, beneath them all, part of the title graphic is a black and white little little picket fence with a mailbox. And at the bottom, it just simply says, coming soon to a theater near you, with a period. You don't see it too often. New Line, uh, New Line Cinema presents... Um, all right, I'm, I'm thinking, hang on. All right. So we got this weird barbarian looking dude clearly out of out of out of the realm of wherever he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to say this is not my giant. That's the wrong one. Um, Six years too early. But it's yeah. <laughs> it, um, Commando. No, um, it's definitely something with like Schwarzenegger or Van Damme or even Hulk Hogan, possibly at this point. Um, it's oh, my God not uh why am i blanking on all these names um not, not, not conan conan the barbarian no no you're, you're um i want no well. i keep i keep wanting to say last action hero but not action Dude, how, hero. Dare how dare you it's similar um because there's funny because that's guy... how i described this to jimmy i was like this is last action hero with yeah, yeah. but i've seen this movie like so right. you want to go to the guy on this movie oh. I'm trying to I also figure not. out. I'm trying to also figure out who the dad figure is, who's like standing there in a suit with his curly hair. I want to say, um, oh my god, why, why am I blanking on names today? It's one of your favorites, dude. Steve Gutenberg. I want to say it's Steve. Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. It's not Steve Gutenberg. Picture. What was that, Court? Looks like Eric Idle in that picture. I don't know why. It does. Does it? it's the hair. Yeah. I blurred it so you can't tell yeah. in any way who it is. It looks like if we if they made this 30 years later, it would be John C. Riley. I mean, yes. you know, if, if his hair was a little like uh, you know, wider and longer, so you might recognize this is him. the longest. Conan. Um I all right, let me let me try to think of a name here. Well, what do you want me to do? You want to try to guess a name or the synopsis? Well, give us a name that you would call this not knowing anything and then describe a plot you would give this family and whatever that character is etc king arthur in a kid's court four years too early um the battle of burger town um no it's literally it's gonna have something to do with it's suburban commando wow um that's it wait what that's it. Really? Yes. Uh, oh, shit. Who's in it? Because that's actually what I do next. I believe I unblurred. Okay, I think one of them is Hulk Hogan. Yes. And the other one, uh, Albert Brooks. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Guys, Stein. what are you doing in my front lawn, guys? Come on now. Anything Einstein that's not there? helping. Okay, how Walter about like, something, uh, something, uh, Walter something from the future? Or maybe maybe we'll get back to you on that. Oh my god. Christopher Lloyd, like, Walter Matthau. Think of, think of it, he's like a, someone with a book like the master of a page or something. Or, or somebody that has a, an aluminum car. Oh. I don't know. You see, he said the name. He said it. David uh, Lee we're talking over him. Oh, whatever. He's whatever. Oh. Listen, I don't know these people. Do you, you want to guess the phrase? He was in a camp. The, the catchphrase. 
You've already gotten it, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his reward. He doesn't have to try anymore. So you don't have to try anymore. Yeah, that's his reward. Here's, he here's the uh, phrase: The kids at school aren't going to bully me anymore. No, that's not it. The Wilcoxes are having some problems around the neighborhood until the ultimate security system landed in their backyard. Love no it. No home should be without one. No home should be without one. New Line Cinema presents Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall. Yep. What? I, that's Shelley Duvall. I think it's because I've never seen Christopher Lloyd with like in a in a Brown suit hair. in anything. No, it's just like because I always saw him. I knew him as like you know Doc Brown or the dude from Taxi right. or my favorite Martian. He's got jeans and a stubble beard. You know. Yeah. Uh, Shelly Duvall, who I thought looked like um, Christina Applegate a few years later. She kind of does. Yeah. Suburban Commando. No home should be without one. Did you like this, Corey? No. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I I actually don't really remember. I I know I've seen this a lot as a kid, but like I, I can't remember any like much like details yeah there's like, uh, what happens Corey. <clears throat> okay so it's it's funny that later he would star in my favorite martian because it's almost the same premise oh. um he he's a uh he's an expat extraterrestrial who comes to earth gets in better <clears throat> than family and then um bounty hunters from outer space come to collect them and they have to defend against them okay. um but uh there's a great scene. I think it's I think it's a meme now, which uh, Christopher Lloyd gets frozen at one point, and then later in the movie, in a real dramatic scene, he's like, "Listen, this is crazy. Don't you understand? I was frozen today." And they just use that line over and over again. But he says it like, "Don't you understand? Like I was raped today." <laughs> that is Christopher Lloyd's uh, dramatic flair. He goes a little overboard. So, I mean, you know, but uh, yeah, it's all pretty old man. I don't think uh, Hulk Hogan didn't do any good movies during his movie tenure. Um, no, maybe this, Rocky Three. This trailer was in front of every VHS I owned. Yeah, like every TMNT that <laughs> I had in front of Jumanji four years later. Like it was in front of everything. FHE. Although mm-hmm. that would be what it is. FHE had the rights to this trailer or something, and then. So I was trying to think of what we could do, given that both main actors of these two films we watched were no iconoclasts in their own right. Vanilla Ice never did another film. We all know his best film was TMNT 2. Ernest P. Worrell had his own series, and we don't really know that Jim Varney was any better or any worse in Daddy and Them, or da- Daddy Verse Them, I forget. Daddy and Them. Daddy and them. Uh, so I wasn't going to go with them. There's really no one in Cool as Ice that's more famous than Michael Gross. And we technically already covered him with Tremors. And there's not much else that he did outside of that in Family Ties that I think we would call a favorite. So I think it only leaves us with Eartha Kit. Can you name an Eartha Kit movie besides the ones we mentioned that are your favorites? Yeah, sorry, no, it's Emperor's New Groove. Like we Do already mentioned it. Like, look at this. I like Boomerang. There's a good one. She actually has a more 
She was, she was in holes. I'm going to call holes. There you go. She was uh, Catwoman in Batman 66. And well, she was in I Harriet have. the Spy. So it's a, a toss-up, actually. I'll take holes if you take Harriet the Spy. Harriet the Spy. I love that movie. Yeah. I'll say Boomerang. Okay, cool. And she's in a I'm lot I'm not of changing my mind. Kids. Yeah, you're fine. We knew you were <laughs> going to go with that first new group. So... Uh, so that was actually a lot easier than I thought. Perfect. Too uh, easy. Yeah. Now we have to fight to the death. No. It's so, Halloween. It is Halloween. So uh, to move away from Halloween, we're going to head into November 91, and we're this close to lining up with 30-year anniversaries. This next film came out in uh, on November 1st, so technically we're closer to that release than uh, this next episode will be. Because we're gonna we're gonna release that around Thanksgiving, and we're gonna cover uh, the career of Dustin Hoffman for the first time uh, in a, a film called Billy Bathgate. So uh, tune in next time, and uh, hope you have a happy Halloween. Ooh. Actually, I think it's already it's already over. It's November fifth. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Hope you had a happy. Allegedly. Halloween. Hope you had a good spooktober. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tell all your friends. So you can see us do all this stuff.